Amen. Open your Bibles with me, if you would. You can open them to Exodus chapter 3. John read Exodus chapter 3. When we were away last week, I'm not going to speak a great deal about that this morning, but when we were away last week to Pensacola, we took uh, six uh, high school uh, senior aged or junior and senior aged boys and six girls uh, down to Pensacola. Uh, we stayed in uh, uh, Hickory, North Carolina, at uh, Mitch's mom's house, and uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful trip. It's a long trip. It is a long trip. It's a long time to be in a 15-passenger van with 12 teenage boys and girls, uh, and, they, and they did wonderfully well. It's still just a long time. Um, there are a lot of stops, um, more stops than if myself and one other man were making the trip, probably. Um, we had a wonderful time, though. We had a wonderful time. Uh, we had a lot of singers in the van, not just those that like to sing, but those that can actually really sing, can sing very well. And so they sang, and they sang wonderfully well. Uh, more than once, I had tears in my eyes as I was listening. Man, we're really blessed as a church family, and we have some wonderful friends, you know, other churches that we're able to have a relationship with. Um, Last week, instead of being here, of course, we were in uh, Hickory, and I was preaching at a Romanian church, the, the church that uh, Mitch and Svetlana were at uh, when they were down in that area, the wonderful church family. Uh, they are almost all Eastern uh, European, and many of them are actually Romanian. Uh, they speak, the service is done in Romanian. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was odd a little bit for for us, um, yeah, I've traveled a fair amount, so but it doesn't seem the same when you're in another country for them to be speaking another language. But it does seem strange when you're in the United States of America, unless you're in the airport in Miami, and then it's not strange at all. So, <laughs> anybody that's ever flown through Miami, know it's hard to find somebody that speaks English in the Miami airport. It seems like. But anyway, we had a wonderful time there. Um, what we're going to look at this morning is a continuation of kind of a. Um, a greater look, if you will, at something that we looked at together while we were there. And the Lord really blessed that, and I think it'll be a real blessing uh, to our church family also. The title of the message is One Thing, One Thing. And it's already quarter of, I need you to understand that it's already quarter of 12, okay? I need you to understand that before I start. I just need you to, so when it's over and you say, wow, look what time it is, I'll say, well, it was quarter of 12 when I started. So uh, open your Bible. Let's move to Joshua, uh, Joshua 23, Joshua 23. Now, if you're taking notes, write one thing, and you put quotes around it, because the, the point of this message is we're going to look at things that where God says, literally says, one thing, one thing. Now, he doesn't say one thing one time. He says one thing a number of times, and we're going to look at a number of them. We're not going to look at all of the occurrences, but we are going to look at them, and we are going to look at them in order as they are found in your Bible, and we are going to start here. Here is the first one, Joshua 23. And verse 14, Joshua 23 and verse 14 is the first one. This is Joshua. Joshua has, is now old. The children of Israel have victoriously entered into the promised land. They are in Canaan. Uh, they have conquered their enemies. They are now possessing the land as God said that they would. And Joshua is getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to die, to go and be with the Lord. And I want you to hear what he says in verse 14. And behold... This day, I am going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts 
and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. So it says it twice. Not one thing hath failed. Not one thing hath failed. Listen, this is the foundation of all of the other one things that we're going to look at from here on. This is the, and here's the point. Because God has never failed. Not one time. Everything that God says has and will continue to come to pass. In fact, we, when we get back to the uh, steps of faith, we are going to, the, the next one is the T, and it is trusting God at his word, or trust God at his word. Okay, look up here. Everybody look up here. You need to read your Bible, and you need to trust God at his word. I want to provoke you through the preaching and teaching from this pulpit, whether I'm doing it or anybody else is, that you will trust God, period, period. That's it. Preaching and teaching, the classes we have, all of the ministries that our, that our church is involved in, they all exist because Jesus is the Christ, because he is exactly who he says he is. And every word in the Bible is true. Every single one of them. More and more and more I'm becoming to be aware of the power of the word of God and the faithfulness of the God that gave it. You can trust God always. Under every circumstance, in everything, in every minute detail, God can be trusted. and should be trusted. And if you're not, that's a you problem. And it is a you problem. That's the real thing about this. If you're not trusting God, it is a problem. It isn't just a problem when you feel it. It is a problem long before you feel it. But if you're not trusting God, you will feel the problem of not trusting God. God is worthy of your trust. He has never failed, right? In not one thing. Now, what's really remarkable is the reason that John read Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, is that's where these promises began, right? Yes? When God spoke to Moses in the burning bush, what he said was this, I, I see, I hear, I know, and I am come down to deliver. And then he explains, from that point forward, he explains the delivery, the, the, delivery, the complete deliverance of God's people is explained in Exodus chapter 3. And then, listen, if you take your Bible here in Joshua chapter 24 or 23, and you go back to Exodus chapter 3, do this with me if you would, go back to Exodus chapter 3, take that chunk of Bible in your hand, and then pinch it, pinch that much of your Bible. That's an awful lot of pages. And since the paper is very thin, it's more pages than you think it is. It's an now listen to me. Why are there so many pages between Exodus chapter 3 and Joshua 23? Why? And the answer is unbelief. That's why. Because the children of Israel didn't trust God at the beginning. But he was faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. In fact, I would say it is the central message of the book of the book of Numbers is God's faithfulness. God's promise 
of continual faithfulness. The book of Numbers is a terrible book primarily. And it's a terrible book because the children of Israel come to the promised land and will not go in. And yet God will never leave them. God is going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years with a disobedient people. And their shoes are not going to wear out, and he's going to provide manna for them day after day after day after day after day. Why? Because he's worthy, that's why. Because he is faithful, that's why. So the foundation of all of the other one things that we're about to look at is this. Because God is faithful, these other one things can be the reality of your everyday life. Now, with that in mind, turn to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. I'd say if you turn quickly, I'll preach quickly. But if you turn quickly, it'll take less time. Psalm 27, verse 4. Psalm 27, verse 4. Please write these down. Please write the passages down, and please write the one things down. And take them with him. Listen, you're not going to get everything out of it in this one preaching of this truth. And you need to really dig into this yourself. And you need to be able to realize that this can be the pattern of everything about your everyday life and the general, general way that you walk from now on. Here it is. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing... Have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing, one thing I have desired. One thing. Now, let me, let's, let's, I, I need to be practical. This is not meant to simply be devotional. This is not meant to simply be uh, encouraging, although it is meant to be those things. It is meant to be exceedingly practical. Now, listen, listen. I would tell you, and you will get angry with me for saying this, I would tell you that probably there aren't very many people in this room who desire this one thing the way you could. We have a, we have a, uh, a mixed desire, and it hurts us. We have a mixed desire, and it hurts us. We have many things that distract us from this one thing. When we get to heaven... We'll desire this one thing all the time, and we'll have it. Amen? In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will all be changed. Everybody that's, going, everybody that's born again, everybody that is a new creature, when the trumpet sounds and it's time to go home, just like this, no sin, no selfishness, all gone, all gone. But it can go now. So much of it can go now. You can choose instead to desire this one thing. Look what it's saying. Just that I would dwell with God. Right? That I just have a relationship with God. Now, when, I was, when I was saved, I was 22 years old when I was saved. When I was saved, I was, uh, I was an engineering student. I was a young engineering student taking classes at Old Dominion University. I was actually taking them on an aircraft carrier. But that's, but that's where I was earning my degree. And, 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 and I'm not sure that whether this was completely the right decision or not. But I quit class. When I, when I got saved, I quit going to the gym. That's not how I got this way, by the way. I quit going to the gym. I quit, I quit sports. I quit everything. I quit all the books that I was reading. I quit everything and just read my Bible. And it had nothing to do with showing off because I was in the middle of the Mediterranean all by myself. There was nobody to even show off to. I just was so glad to be saved. And I just wanted to walk with God. 
just one. Now, here's the, here's the irony. Um, I don't know how many. It, it really, I really don't know. Be, I don't want to exaggerate. Somewhere between 6 and 12 people in the next couple of months got, were, were born again because of the witness of my life. I led them to Christ. I had no idea what quote-unquote soul winning was or being a witness for Jesus. I just couldn't shut up. All I wanted to talk about was how great Jesus was. You want to know why? Because Jesus is great. And the more I read, the more I got up early in the morning and went into that garden alone with Jesus, the more wonderful he was, the more I wanted to talk about him all day long. I'll tell you honestly, you either want to talk about Jesus or you walked away when I got close to you. And it was not, listen, there was absolutely no, I'm better than you, or I have to do this because it's the right thing to do, or I'm going to, I'm keeping score in my, in my bedroom. None of that. I just want to tell people how great Jesus is. You want to know why? Because Jesus is great. This is the life that we can have. I would say, honestly, it's ironic. As a pastor, I think I had more time to talk to people about Jesus then than I do now. This is, what, this is the desire that God wants us. But it doesn't come. Listen, uh, yesterday we had a, another ministry in the area come over to our, um, our uh, flea market and hand out pamphlets for their church, right? And I thought, hmm, not sure about this. You know what I'm saying? And again, I mean, we, you know, I mean, we want the people that came to, the, to, to receive the gospel, but inviting them to your church, I'm, just, I'm not sure about that. You know what I'm saying? But it's kind of a house thing to do, and that's how it happened. This is not that. That's my point. What God wants, this is not what... There's no... You know, when I was in, when I was in Bible college... Uh, that we had to hand in a sheet of paper each week. And in the, on the sheet of paper, we had to write how many tracts we'd handed out and how many doors we had knocked on. And I wrote, and I didn't check any, put any numbers on the piece of paper, but I wrote on the piece of paper. I wrote on it in really big so it covered up everything, as many as God led me to. That's what I wrote, as many as God led me to. And eventually I got called and the dean called me in and said, uh, um, the president of the school has seen your reports and he wants you to fill them out right. And I said, I'm going to either fill them out like this or I'm not going to fill them out at all or I'll just leave if you need me to. I said, I'm not trying to be mean. But I'm telling you, this is not what Jesus is after. It's not what Jesus is after. I do believe he's after more service than some of us are involved in. But he's not about counting, counting, counting. And the thing that bothers me most is those numbers were actually used by that ministry to talk about how many they were giving out. And I thought, this is not it. This is not it. But here's the thing. This is not what God is talking about. What he's talking about is you coming to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And you talking to God and him talking to you, and it's just you and him. There's a time for family devotions. There's a time for Bible studies, but that's not it. That's not what God is talking about here. I just want to dwell with God, me dwelling with God. I want to get close to him, and I want him to be close to me. And then I want it to bleed over into my everyday life. Amen? One thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing. God help you and I to have this one desire. By the way, let me say this. If you want to know what you desire, here's the answer. Where does your time and your money go? That's what you desire. Where your time and your money goes, that's what you desire. That's it. It's, it's really that simple. Wherever your time is, wherever your money is, that's where your desire is. That's where your heart is. Okay? That's where your heart is. Now, turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. So one thing, we can have one wonderful desire. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Now Luke chapter 10. 
What's happening here is Jesus is at Mary and Martha's house. There's going to be a dinner in a little bit. And Jesus is teaching. It starts in verse 38. It says, now it came to pass as they went. This is Jesus and the disciples. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Please write these down. Again, I only have a minute or two to go over each one of them. Now, as it came, now it came to pass as they went that they entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. So it's Martha's house, right? It's not Mary's house. It's Martha's house. And she had a sister called Mary. Oh, but she has a sister. She's called Mary. She's there. Which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So Jesus is sitting down and he's teaching a Bible study and all of the disciples are listening and Mary is sitting down and listening to the Bible study. But Martha is in the kitchen. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him, this is to the Lord Jesus, and said, Lord, dost, not, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Okay, so here's the, here's the question. I'm doing all the work. Mary's sitting right there. You can see her right in the front row. Do you not care that she's being lazy and I'm doing all the work? And Jesus answered, Martha, Martha. If my mom said my name twice, I was in trouble. Amen. This is the equivalent. In my family, it was often my full name, right? You know, if my, wife, if my mom said my first name and my last name, I was in trouble. If she said my first name, my middle name, and my last name, I didn't even go, right? She, she might as well have to come find me at this point because I, you couldn't be in any more trouble than I already was. So what he's doing here is he's drawing her attention that he's speaking directly to her. Martha, Martha. Now, you can insert your name here, by the way. Martha, Martha, thou art careful. And that word means anxious. And troubled, and that means busy. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And this is why we came to this passage. One thing is needful. Now, I'm going to keep reading and then we're going to come back. But one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. One thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's start with this. What does needful mean? What does needful mean? Anybody? Necessary. It's funny. It's like what's the only word we can use, right? A must-have item, yes? Okay, let me say this. Oxygen. Optional? No, needful, right? And needful immediately, yes? Without oxygen, every five minutes, you're in big trouble, Without oxygen, without oxygen, you will die. Without oxygen, fire will die. Oxygen, very, very important. No, needful. Do you understand? Needful. Now listen to me. How many of us think as a child of God that sitting at Jesus' feet is like oxygen? And apparently not all of us, but it is. For without me, you can do Nothing. If you don't abide in me and I abide in you, it's dead. It's dead. Again, the roses will begin to bloom soon. And when the roses bloom, you can pick the branch that's the most beautiful. Just go. There are a lot of rose bushes in front of the church. Just go down to the rose bushes when they're blooming. Pick out the most beautiful branch on it. Snip it. <coughs> lay it on the grass. Come back next week. It'll be dead. Because the branch is not where the power 
comes from. The branch is not from, is not where anything that matters comes from. The tree is, the roots are, and Jesus is that. Amen? One thing is needful. Now here's the, oh, I love this truth. All you got to do is choose it. That's all you got to do is choose it. Mary has what? What does that mean? What does it mean to choose? What does it mean? What does it mean to make a choice, right? What does it mean? Here's, here's, here's what happens. We have our, 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 our Monday night, we have family night. And when we have desserts, we often have dessert, and, and it's not often like this one dessert. Part of that is because Rebecca can only eat certain things, and Kathy and I are on this diet, which I'm taking far more seriously now. You guys will get to see this, I think, I think as the future goes on. <clears throat> and um, so, so here's the desserts. And everybody gets to say what it is that they want. Everybody gets to make a and then they get to verbalize their choice, and then they, what? They get what they choose. That's, all, that's what Christianity is. What do you choose? I choose to sleep in today. I choose to get started. i got a very busy schedule today. I choose this, I choose that. Bad choice. Bad choice. How about this? I choose to come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. Now, here's the good news. This is tremendous news. Because what does Jesus say about making that choice? What does he say about it? Let's look at it. Let's, let's, it's the end of the verse. It's the end of the chapter. What does he say? He says, she chose that good part, which what? Shall not be taken away from her. We should get, you should, somebody, should, yeah, well, more than one, more, more than Trish should have said amen. Praise God. I choose to walk with Jesus. Great, Jesus says. Nobody's going to take that away from you. Amen? I won't let it happen. Listen, will your calendar suddenly be empty? No. But listen, was Mary's calendar empty? Nope. Not according to Martha. Right? According to Martha, Mary had plenty to do. Yes? And listen, and Martha was willing. I don't know. I'm not sure that she didn't say something to Mary first. Right? Mary, get up, you lazy sister. You know what I'm saying? Come out here and help me, right? And then finally, she's, I, I believe she is sure when she says to Jesus, I'm doing all the work, that Jesus is going to look over at Mary and say, Mary, shame on you. Get up, right? But he's not. Jesus, listen, Jesus never is the one that says, get up and leave. I don't want to spend any more time with you. I don't know who it was. Uh, Billy Harris posted it, I think, and I want to say it was Tozer. It might have been Tozer, might not have been Tozer. A lot of things that Billy posted from Tozer. But what it said was this, it is sad to consider that every man or woman is as holy today as they want to be. Because your relationship, whatever time you spent with God today, that was your choice. Because he'd have spent more. Jesus, listen, listen, Jesus, listen. Jesus has never been sitting with you in the morning and said, Jim, I got to go. I got to go. It's been nice to spend this time, but I got things. I got I to go to India now and rescue some people, right? Why? Because he's omnipresent, right? And he can be with you completely while being with me completely. He can give all of his attention to you while he gives all of his attention to me. And if, he, and if it were wonderfully necessary, wouldn't it be wonderful if it was necessary to 7 billion people at the same time? If everybody on the planet said, I want to spend time with Jesus, Jesus would say, I want to spend time with you. And I can, and I can. One thing is needful, and we're missing it. American Christianity is missing it. The question is, are you missing it? 
But it goes back to your desire, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't what's needful go back to what you desire? Yes? Right? Right? You know, what my desire, what my desire is, is to pay this down. That's my desire. Or what my desire is, is to have this item. Or what my desire is, is to do this or to do that. Whatever my desire is, is going to drive what I need to do. Amen? But if my desire is God, then there's one thing that's needful, and that's to spend time with God. Amen? And I'm telling you, that's what heaven's going to be like. And heaven seems to be a pretty nice place. So maybe we should have a little, maybe you, you personally, should have a little more heaven on earth. Amen? And by the way, if you and I had a little more heaven on earth, everybody around us would have a little more heaven on earth. Because what they would see is that glory in our face. They would see that love in our countenance. They would hear that tone in our voice. There would be a mercy and a grace and a kindness and a goodness in each of us that's in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs. What the world needs, what your extended family needs, what your immediate family needs, what your co-workers need, what our church needs, what all the churches need is more of Jesus. That's what we all need. And how do we have that? And the answer is this, abide, abide, abide. And how do I abide? Go spend time with him. One thing is needful. We've got to go on. Go to chapter, uh, John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Boy, I love the one we're getting ready to look at. John chapter 9. This goes back to what uh, it was like when I was a baby Christian. John chapter 9. Like it goes back to all of us, but I just remember I, wasn't, I don't know your baby Christian life. I remember my baby Christian life. John chapter 9. And here's what's happened. Jesus has healed the blind man, and everybody's freaking out. Everybody's having a fit, conniption fits, drastic, horrible. What a terrible person Jesus is. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that the media hates Jesus. It's amazing to me. You can talk about anything, do anything, paint anything, write anything, just don't do it about Jesus. The one who loves us all. The one who, who, who literally gave his life for all of us and the media hates him. That tells you something about the media. Here's what it says. John chapter 9, verse 25. So he's been, basically, they're questioning him. And so here's, here they, they've questioned his parents. And his parents, I like his parents. His parents are just cowards like the rest of us. Oh, wow, we don't know. He's old enough. Ask him. Verse 24 says, then again, called they the blind man and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, you can underline that. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Amen? Here's the good news about your testimony. You don't have to convince anybody of anything. One thing I know, I used to be like this, and now I'm like this, and Jesus did it. That's my testimony. You can take it. You can leave it. I don't care. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'm not going to fight with you about it. I know one thing. I know one thing. I used to be like this. Now I'm like this. And Jesus did it. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that simple? Pastor, I don't know how to, tell, I don't know how to lead anybody to Christ. Just tell them one thing. I used to be like this. Now here's the thing. If they don't see a change in you, don't bother. Yes? Boy, don't you? Oh, my, never mind. Whew, I'm going to get myself in trouble here for a second. I had coworkers who, who were more vocal about witnessing for Christ sometimes than I was, and they were terrible people. I'm like, whoa, 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 don't tell them about Jesus. If they associate you with Jesus, that's a terrible thing because you're not a good person. Do you understand? Listen, if Jesus has changed you, then Jesus has changed you. Let me ask you this. Could you tell the difference between a blind man and a not blind man? Yes or no? 
Yes? Really? Yes? That's the kind of change Jesus makes in our lives. That's the kind of change. That you Listen, the change on the inside is manifested on the outside. Amen? The fruits of the Spirit, if the Holy Ghost is really living in you, then people will see it in your everyday life. Amen? And then you can say this, Jesus did what you see. Because Jesus did. The problem is this. Too many people walking around handing out their literature to their church, by the way, who are not full of the glory of God. Now, listen, if you're a new creature, you, I, I, I don't want to have time to go into all of this again today. Well, I actually I do because it's going to come up in a couple points. Let's just wait. One thing I know, one thing I know, and Jesus did it. Turn to, it's, it's the next point. Turn uh, to Philippians. Philippians, we're almost done. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to get done earlier than I thought we were going to. You guys can all say amen. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I hope you're writing the references down, really. I hope you'll come back to them. And I hope you'll get more out of this than I'm giving you right now. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 12. Not as though Paul, talking about his growing in Christ, about him maturing as a Christian. Right? So here we started with, I have one desire, there's one thing that's needful, I know one thing, and now I have one thing I do. We're going to see that in just a moment. N not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. In other words, what God has done for me, I'm pursuing that being the reality of my everyday life. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended. But this one thing I do, right? One thing I desire, one thing is needful, one thing I know, one thing I do. What do you do? And this is what he says. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? So here's what happens. Um... Oh, who was it? I, 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 would, I, I think I can remember. I think it was, I th I think it was Amelia. And, and, I, and knowing Amelia, I don't think she'll be upset if I say this. Now, if it wasn't Amelia, it was somebody else. <laughs> but it was true of me. I, I'll just use myself. But Amelia said something just like this, I think. When I was a young Christian, and it was time for me to change commands... I remember thinking, so I've been saved, right? I was on the, and, and I was saved when I was on the John F. Kennedy, and I was deployed. That's a six-month deployment that turned into a nine-month deployment, by the way. What fun that is to find out, yes? So here's what's happening. I'm coming back to the command that I had been at before, and this is what I'm thinking. Oh, I need to be better here than I was when I was on the Kennedy as a young Christian. In other words, I have an opportunity. The mistakes that I've made. How many of you have made mistakes as a young Christian? Anybody want to raise their hand to that? Right? How many of you have done things that you're ashamed of as a Christian? Anybody want to raise their hand? Right? Well, I don't think I want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that at this command. I don't want to do that when I get here. I want things to be different where I'm going. Right? Then here's what, this passage really helps me. Look, the things that are behind me, they're behind me. Right? Yes? 
right? I spent more time in, in, in Romans chapter 7 than I should have, right? The good that I would, I didn't do. The, the evil that I, wouldn't do, I shouldn't do, I did. I don't have, but we don't have to live like that. So, but the things that are behind us are behind us. So here's what it says. One thing I do, one thing I do. I have not apprehended. I'm not perfect. I'm not where I need to be completely. But this is what I do. I forget those things which are behind. And as I get older, forgetting it is easier. Amen? Right? Like your keys and everything else. Right? But the, the failures that are in my past, it's in my past, and I'm going to literally press it. Press, press is an active verb. The idea is this. I'm going to make this the point. I'm going to want and ask and plead and allow God to make a difference in me that hasn't been made in me yet. Amen? Yes or no? Yes. Now listen. Really, yes or no? And if the answer is yes, I'm going to, this is what it says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, I want to be the man or woman that God wants me to be and the one that he's able to make me, praise God. Now, here's the wonderful, again, I didn't make these passages up, obviously. Here's the wonderful truth. If you just have one desire and realize that one thing is needful and you just have one testimony, then you can have this one thing that you do. And that is just press. I'm just going to keep going the direction that Jesus would have me to go. Amen? And if you say, well, yeah, but how do I press correctly? I would say go back to the one thing that's needful. Yes, you say, well, what if I'm not excited about the one thing that's needful? Well, then maybe you ought to go back to the one thing you desire and find out whether that's the one thing you desire. You see what I'm saying? The point that I'm making is God has laid this off in a very clear pattern in his word, in the order that is needed in our lives so that he can take us from what? Knowing how great he is and that he never fails to pressing towards what he wants to make us. Isn't this a wonderful truth? Boy, it's not wonderful enough, I guess. Honestly, your response is lukewarm. And it breaks my heart. I, I want you to want Jesus to make you the man or woman he wants you to be. It's all I want for you. Really, it's all I want for you. All that God wants is for us to have a wonderful, loving relationship with him that changes everything here on the earth. All around us. And it's available to every one of us. And I'm thankful that God loves us so much to give us this. There's, there's a warning, though. It's actually, it, this, this, this phrase actually occurs a number of times. I didn't count them, but it occurs a number of times. And I, I would be wrong if I didn't give this warning. Go back to Mark. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We'll start in verse 17. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And when he, speaking of our Lord Jesus, and when he had gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, but one, that is God. Now, Jesus is not saying he's not God. He just doesn't think this person knows that. Now, thou, now, thou knowest the commandments. Do not, do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. 
And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And I say, I doubt it. But that's what he says. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Notice, notice, notice the, the, the motive for the words. Then Jesus, beholding him, which, by the way, look up here. Remember, behold the Lamb of God. There, the, the word for look, the Hebrew word, excuse me, the Greek word for look is different than the one for behold. The one look just simply means look, a glass of water, right? Behold means to tell me what this is. Examine this until you can tell me what it is, okay? So it says he beheld him. Jesus didn't just look at him. Jesus understood him as he was looking at him, okay? We would take a lot longer to do this. But here, let me, I don't want to go into this a great deal. You want to know what the problem with, with modern, quote-unquote, evangelism? And I'm talking about personal evangelism. Your life personally talking to other people about Jesus. Here's the problem. Nobody is looking with understanding at the person that they're talking at. They're looking at them as a number. Either they want to get them to stop misbehaving and being a difficulty, or they want to add them to their count. And that's not what God is after. Jesus looks at him, beholds him. If you will behold them, you will love them, right? How can we reach a world we never touch? And how can we show them Christ if we never show them love? Just to say we care will never be enough. Do you understand? But Jesus isn't just saying that he cares. He loves this man. And notice what he says. One thing thou lackest. Underline that. That's the one thing in this passage. One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying. And what? And went away grieved, for he had great possessions. So what did he do? He walked away, right? He walked away, and other, in, a couple, in other passages it says he wept. Right? So listen, listen, listen to this, listen to this. Can you imagine if someone, I'm telling you, if someone came into the average Baptist church and walked toward the preacher and fell down on their knees weeping and said, what must I do to have eternal life? First of all, they just say, pray this prayer after me. Right? And he says, one thing thou lackest. You got to go, go just get rid of everything and come and follow Jesus. And he wept and walked away. Somebody would say, deacons, chase him down. He's so close. He's not close at all because he wants his stuff. Do you understand? Here's the warning. One thing, one thing, all of these one things, wonderful, but one thing can keep you from ever coming to Jesus. One thing can keep you from And listen, and that one thing in your life is not the same one thing as it might be in this person's life or that person's life. But is there anything in your life that's keeping you from Jesus? Here's what you need to do. You need to, you, need to stop, you need to not weep and walk away. You need to put it down and walk to Jesus. Do you understand? Jesus wants to give you the one needful thing. He wants you to have that. That's what he wants for you. If you don't have that, that's a you problem. I am so thankful when Bob Bornfleth, the person that led me to Christ, when I was, when I was addressing my need for Christ, this is what he said. Jesus wants to save you. If you don't get saved, it's your fault. This is, this is his this is idea of witnessing, okay? Jesus wants to save you. If you don't get saved, it's your fault. And when he said that, you know what I thought? This is what I thought. Jesus wants to save me? 
I was so excited to hear that. Jesus wants to save me? I didn't hear the it's your fault blame part. The truth is, it is my fault. Do you know that everybody that's going to be in hell, you know whose fault it is? Theirs. You want to know why? Because they walked away. They might have wept when they walked away. They might have laughed when they walked away. They might have cursed when they walked away. But they walked away. And whose fault is that? Theirs. Because Jesus looks at all of us and loves us and tells us what we lack. But then he'll give it to us. Yes? Just repent of your stuff and receive Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I don't know where everybody is here. There's a lot of people here. I, I praise God that we have a lot of people here. I, and I don't know the heart. I don't even know the hearts of everybody that I know, if you understand what I'm saying. You know, Dave Nichols, Pastor Nichols, and I have known each other for a long, long time. And we were, I said, Dave, you believe I'm saved and I believe you're saved, but I know I'm saved. You know what I'm saying, the difference between those two things? I know I'm saved, and Dave Nichols knows he's saved. I don't know anybody because I don't know your heart exactly. Do you understand? I believe I see fruit in many of your lives, which indicates that you are a new creature. And Praise God for that. And I hate doing funerals for people that I don't see the fruit that I wish I saw in their lives. Because all I can say then is, they said they were saved. I want them to have been saved. I love them. Amen? But what's our life like? What's God doing in our lives? Our God is a great and wonderful and mighty God. Amen? And he is able to so change us, so marvelously change us, that when we see each other, we'll say, man, I see Jesus all over you. Amen? Now, the question really, now this goes back, right? So can you remember the, the, the points, if you will? Because the, they're really, the passages are what matter, obviously. But the truths are in the passages, right? One thing I have desired, right? And again, the foundation of all of this is God's never failed in one thing, Right? One thing I have desired, that leads us to this. One thing is needful. That leads me to my testimony. One thing I know. And that leads me to this. One thing I do. And that is I just press toward what, what God wants to do. By the way, do you notice the active involvement in being conformed to the image of Christ? Yes? It's not a passive thing. I press toward that. How do I press toward that? And I'm telling you, this is the answer. Get up in the morning and spend time with Jesus. Right? There's, you know, some passages, there's some passages in Proverbs that talk about uh, as, a, as, a, as a door swings, so does the sluggard. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever had one of those days when you lay in bed and you roll over, right? And 20 minutes later you wake up again and you just roll over? It's like, I need to go on this side. Maybe I'll sleep a little longer on this side, right? And then you wake up 20 minutes and oh, I just roll over. Anybody? Hope you don't have many of those days. The Bible's not very kind about people who live like that, right? The point is this. Get up and open the Bible. Get on your knees and spend time with Jesus. Find a quiet place and spend time with the Lord Jesus. This is the need of all of our lives. If this will be, listen, if, that, if, that, if, if, if I have the desire, then this will become the reality of my life, right? This, this will be the one, the one thing that's needful, just like Mary. Then when you do that, this will be your testimony. Jesus is making a difference. Because there will be a change. If you start spending more time with Jesus, there will be a change. And people will see the change, and you will testify, one thing I know, I was like this, now I'm like this. Jesus is making a difference. Amen? And then, when there is real failure in your life, you'll say, I put that behind me, and I'm going to keep going. Because I am a new creature. I am forgiven by the blood. And I am not that failure. Although I have failed, I did walk in my flesh. That is true. I am guilty. And by the way, God says this. When you're guilty and he says you're guilty, he says, say this. I am. I am. And then he says, and if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But not just forgive us, but what? 
Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now listen, forgiveness takes away the guilt. So when it says cleanse us of all unrighteousness, it's not talking about the guilt. It's talking about making a change in our lives so that we're not living like that all the time anymore. Amen? That's why we who are new creatures can no longer live in sin anymore. And if you're really born again, you understand this. It, you hate sin in your life. Hate it. When you sin, it bothers you. Praise God for that. Right? We were studying that before in James and in 1 Peter. Praise God when there's sin in your life, it makes you sick because it ought to make you sick. And you want to know why it makes you sick? Because it makes the Holy Ghost sick. And he tells you all about it. Stand with me if you would. We're going to get together again tonight. Please come back. We're going to have a gospel sing. It's a wonderful time. Nobody shows off. Nobody's a professional, although some people actually can sing quite well. I'm not one of those. I wish I was. I really do wish. I mean, I'd love it if I could sing. Maybe there's a reason why I can't. I don't know. Our kids can sing, praise God. <clears throat> come. If you, can, if, you're, if, you, you know, if you come tonight, I'm, I'm confident you'll be blessed. Now, again, this coming Wednesday night, all of you, everybody that's here right now should be here Wednesday night, all of us. And, and by the way, we'll run the vans. We'll bring the children. We'll come here. There may be some children that will decide are too young to be here. You know, but I think everybody will be blessed as, as uh, author Frank Sherwin shows us about some dinosaurs. And then we'll do something Thursday night and Friday night together. I believe it will be a wonderful time. And I believe that you will grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus during this time. Justin, dismiss us in prayer.